uh, today is part two of a series we started last week entitled Know Thy Enemy. And then there's a little subtitle underneath, The Devil's Playbook. And the reason I wanted to call it that is because I think in order to be able to overcome the schemes of the enemy, we have to know what they are. And here's what I found as I've studied and as I've looked at all this. The devil really hasn't revamped his playbook anytime soon. He's using the same old tactics he's always used, and in part because they still work. The things he's done since the beginning are still effective at coming against us today if we are not careful and if we don't pay attention to what those schemes are. I was watching the Bears. Thank God the Bears finally won a game. I was watching the Bears game. I was watching the game on uh, uh, Thursday, and it was funny. They were showing, there's like all these conspiracy things on social media that the offensive uh, play caller, he has a sheet with all his plays on it. It's the playbook. And right behind him were members of the media of the opposite team, and they had their phones out, zoomed in on his playbook. And I'm like, colludaling, you lucky we won, or I would have been making all types of conspiracies. But, but it's interesting, every little edge, that's why if you ever watch football, when they call plays, they even cover their mouth so that people can't see on camera what they're trying to say as if that really matters. Um, but it's, it's all because, man, if they know what we're running, they're going to stop us. If they know what play we're going to call, if they understand what's going to happen, then they have every advantage to prevent us from doing it. So I would submit to you that if you paid more attention to what the enemy is trying to do, and if you know thy enemy then you will succeed far more often than not against the schemes of the enemy. So this morning, I want to talk about one particular one, which I think, in my opinion, is his strongest, most consistent, oldest tactic. I want to talk to you about lies and deceptions. Lies and deception. This is the oldest play in the book, so to speak. And the enemy's been using it forever. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second, but let me just tell you something. Uh, I believe mothers have built-in lie detectors. They just, now part of that is because I think they just assume you're always lying. That's a good tactic to have. Just assume your kid's always lying and nine times out of ten you'll be right. But my mother had a phenomenal lie detector and every now and then, when there was a little uncertainty, when, when I got real good at lying or when one of us got really good at throwing us off, she had her go-to move. And I don't know if your mom did this. If you grew up in a Christian home, maybe she did. But my mother's go-to move, she would stop, stare you right through your soul. And in Spanish, she would say, Los mentirosos no entran al reino del cielo. And I'm like, which, for all you know sabos in the room, what that means is, hey, liars don't enter the kingdom of heaven. And bro, that would stop me dead in my tracks. I'm like, well, it's not, it's not that serious. I'm like, I'm not trying to go to hell over this. Yes, I ate the other piece of chicken. My bad. Like, like it, was, it wasn't that big a deal. But, but man, she was good at, at putting fear in my heart. And, and here's the truth. It's not like she made that up. When you look at scripture and you see some, some sins that we equate with like, you know, murder and, and uh, you know, malice and all these craziness. And then right in there, you see liars. See, lying is something that God does not look kindly upon. And in part, you'll see why. And you'll see why it's so effective. Because like I said, the devil's been using this tactic since the very beginning. It was the very first move he made. And it's what caused us to lose our relationship with God in the first place. If you have your Bibles, let's look at Genesis chapter 3. The fall of man. 
In these first five verses, you see the tactic at play. Now, again, just in case you're new to your Bible, God creates Adam and Eve. God places them in the Garden of Eden. And he says, you can eat of any fruit in the garden. You got your choice of all of it, except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, some people might say, well, why would you put a tree that they're not supposed to eat? Did you not set them up for failure? And truth be told, if that tree wasn't there, then they wouldn't have a choice. And if we don't have choice, then we don't have free will. And if we don't have free will, then we're no different from the angels. We, we have a choice on whether or not we want to love God. And so that tree was that choice. And unfortunately, Adam and Eve chose wrong. And you'll see what led to that choice in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Now, here Satan in the form of a serpent comes up and the scriptures say, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I think there's some steps that the devil takes here that, that if you want to become a master liar, a manipulator, if you want to follow the footsteps of how to lie and deceive like the devil does, he lays out his playbook wide open. And the first one is this. Step one, create doubt. Step one, when it comes to the enemy lying to you or getting you to believe his lies, is create doubt. What did he say? Did God really say you can't eat from anything? Just, here's the seed. Just a little bit. Let's, let's plant this in your brain for just a second. I mean, did God really say you can't do this and you can't do I mean, Did God really say you got to go to church every Sunday? Did God really say you got to love all your neighbors? Did God really say you got to tithe? Did, did God really? And, and there's all these little things that the enemy's going to whisper in your ear. Did God really say you need to apologize to your spouse? Did God really say you need to honor each other? And, and all these opportunities where he's not straight out lying. He's just questioning you. You ever, you ever had somebody question you on something you were certain of, but only because they questioned you, you lost certainty? Joey, did you remember to put deodorant on? Yeah. I think I did. Well, now I don't know, right? And there's all these, Joy, did you remember to get your phone? I was like, I, I thought I, yep. No, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but it's just that question. Just that question enough to make you wonder, did I? Or even worse, did he? Did he really say, am I, am I really supposed to do this? But here's something that you got to understand in John chapter 8, verse 43. Verse 43 through 45, listen to what Jesus is saying here. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Listen, sometimes the enemy has created so much doubt that even when God is very clear on what he says, we wonder. We, we start to waver. So, so what happens? We'll read the scriptures 
and we'll see something that either we don't like or that might be uncomfortable because it brings conviction or, or it might show you something you don't like because the Bible is just a mirror. It's only reflecting what, what's really on you. And so we look at it and we go, I don't like the way that sounds or I don't like having to follow that commandment or that doesn't sound appeasing. Well, maybe God meant something differently. And what is he saying? The reason you don't hear me, honestly, is because you don't want to hear me because you'd rather hear your father, the devil, because what he's telling you is more appealing to you. What he's telling you sounds nice. And listen, that's, that's what we're seeing more and more in today's day and age. It's, it's, it's not outright coming against you. It's subtly having you question your faith. This is why so many people have, have deconstructed their faith. Now, in part, it was never constructed on anything solid. So when they deconstruct, they get to the bottom. They're like, well, there's nothing here. Well, there never was. You built it on religiosity. You built it on culture. You built it on, on just your parents' faith. That's a whole other conversation. But the whole reason why people start to, to pull that thread and to start to wonder is because of doubt. Because the enemy goes in and says, hey, listen, you've been following God your whole life. And man, you grew up in church, but your life's no good right now. Look at you. You, you just lost your job. And where's your God? Wasn't he supposed to take care of you forever? Wasn't he supposed to make sure that nothing bad happened to you? Where's your God? What, are you sure God cares about you? Do you even think he's real? Maybe God's not real. And all it is is doubt. All it is is doubt that he sows at your heart. And so it's not his fault that you walk away from God. He just planted a seed. And we keep watering it. We keep looking at it. We keep wondering. No, no, no. What is God saying? He's saying, listen, you don't even hear my voice anymore because you've been paying attention to that voice too long. No, no. We got to make sure that we don't follow that first step, that we don't even allow doubt to creep in. Now, don't get me wrong. There, there's questions. You can have questions. God has never had an issue with people asking questions. God, is this, is this really you speaking to me, Lord? Lord, can you confirm this in me? Father, I want, there, there's a difference between questioning God and doubting God. Are you questioning God for clarity's sake? Because the Bible says that he's, he's not the author of confusion. God speaks with clarity. And so when you talk to God and, and there's doubts and there's waivers, that's okay. Wrestle through that so that you can get to the answers. But when all you do is doubt, 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 and then take steps further, further away from the Lord. Don't be shocked when just like Adam and Eve, you've been separated from your relationship with God. Second step that I notice is he starts to take it up a notch, right? This is kind of like a combination of punches that the enemy's throwing. And the first jab is just to daze you a little bit, just to, to get you to waver and to doubt for just a moment. And then he comes in with the right hook, which is step two. He creates the lie. Are you sure God said you can't eat from any of the trees? And then she goes, no, no, no. She clarifies. Yeah, no, we can eat from all the trees except for that one tree. Because if we eat that one tree, even if we touch it, we'll die. And what does he say? Flat out contradiction to God's word. You will not die. See, if the first one is, is, is getting you to doubt God, the second one is not just doubting what he said, but doubting who said it. So now I'm not just doubting what you said, God. Now I doubt that you even said it. I doubt that you're the one that's speaking to me. And so what is the devil saying? You will not die. No, what God said isn't true. I'm telling you what's true. And this is why it's so critical, and I'm going to hammer this to the day I see the Lord face to face, that if you don't know God's word, if you haven't studied God's word, then it's going to be very easy for you to fall for a lie. Because if you don't know the truth, how can you know the lie? 
And so when the enemy comes and he says the lie, that's appeasing. Remember, the scripture goes on to say that because it sounded good to her and she liked the way that it looked, the tree, that it was appeasing to her, she ate it. This is what happens is the enemy starts to start with a little doubt, start with a little disunity in that, and then he starts to go straight out with the lie. Let me contradict what God is saying with something that sounds more appeasing to you. But here's something critical for you and I to remember, that whatever God says, God means. God does not need you to be an interpreter of what he says. God needs you to be someone who transfers over what he says. We're not playing tell I don't hear from God and go, ah, oh God, that's kind of harsh. Let me, let me water that down a little bit because, you know, it's, it's a little bit more tasty for them. If I just don't want to say the whole truth because then that's, that's hard for some people to accept. I'm sorry. Yes, it is. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you don't need it. Just because truth is hard doesn't mean the truth is not necessary. And so listen, if, you're, if your fly is down, it's embarrassing for somebody to tell you your zipper's down. That's embarrassing. You know what's more embarrassing? Going the entire day without anybody ever telling you your zipper's down. And so you need someone to be honest with you. And so God is, he's made this commitment. God is saying, listen, I will never not be honest with you. As a matter of fact, I love what Numbers 23 verse 19 says. That God is not a man, so he does not lie. I mean, that alone stopped the, stopped the whole thing. God is not a man, so he does not lie. What does that mean? We can trust God. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. So what he said in the word is still true today. Well, you know, that was written over 2000. It's still true today. Well, that was before it was written down. God is the word. It's always been true. It'll always be true. It'll forever be true. When this world goes away, God's word will still be here and it'll still be true. And so God's word doesn't change with the times because he doesn't change. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? So when God speaks, we have to hold on to it. Here are some common lies that, that we've started to believe from the enemy. Lies like, well, there is no God. Or God doesn't care about you. Or the Bible cannot be trusted. Or your good works are going to get you into heaven. Those are all lies. And here's the thing, and it's important to understand, that it, just because you hear it often enough doesn't make it true. Here's a quote for you. If you tell a big enough lie and tell it frequently enough, it will be believed. Adolf Hitler. I'm, I'm very, I was like, man, should I quote Hitler? <laughs> but why not? Because it's true. Hitler's actually considered one of the greatest orators of all time. He was a fantastic communicator. He was just communicating lies. He was good at it. If you tell a lie long enough, listen, some of you, your whole life they told you you were dumb. And you've believed it. Because you've bought into what was said about you, even though that may not be true. I would argue it's not true at all. You may not be book smart, but that doesn't equate all of intelligence. Listen, some of the most uneducated people are some of the wisest people on the planet. Just because you have this education or this degree or this thing. That, but again, the point is, if someone's been telling you your whole life, and I dealt with this a lot in youth ministry, where maybe a young man is a little bit more effeminate. Maybe he grew up with, with a lot of women around him, and so he's a little bit more effeminate, so people equate that to, well, you must be homosexual. No, maybe he's just effeminate. Maybe he just doesn't like sports. 
Maybe my daughter likes sports and that doesn't make her gay. Like, but if you keep speaking that over a child, over time, they just start to think, well, maybe that's true. Because everybody said it. And so because everybody said it, I got to believe it. And the truth is this, everybody can say whatever they want, but I have to shut my ears to you so that I can hear God. God, what do you say? What do you speak about me? That's why scriptures say we take every thought, we capture it, and what do we do? Submit it to Christ. You know what that means? God, here's what I'm thinking. Is that you? That's not me, Joey. That's not how I sound. That's what I thought. Okay, just checking. Hey, I got this thought that I want to take my own life. God, is that you? No, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. That's not me. Okay, that's a lie then. So, so whatever the lie may be, if you're ever in that moment like, God, you are not. God is saying, easy, show me. Show me that word, and I'll tell you if it's me or not. So we got to be careful because right off the bat, enemy hits us with doubt. And then when he gets you with doubt, then he starts to pull up and get you with the straight out lie. And then step three, you replace the truth with a lie. Step three, you create deception. See, a lie is spoken, but a deception is believed. A deception is when you, when you manipulate someone into believing something. What is he telling them? You won't die. As a matter of fact, God's holding out on you. God knows that if you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. That sounds tempting, right? A lot of times we get into that point where we start to wonder, man, God's holding out on me. God's God's holding back things from me. God doesn't want me to have this or want me to have that. God, I'm going to get it myself because God, you're holding back. Why would God ever hold back from us? The things that he desires for us. The enemy is good at trying to convince you. You don't even need God. Just go get it yourself. Hey man, you've been following God your whole life and you've gone nowhere in your career. Why don't you just ditch the God thing and advance your life? You don't need God. You can call on God later on when stuff gets crazy. But for right now, you just do you, man. Just go after. As a matter of fact, and then I just think this is difficult, but even the idea that most of us have growing up in the States, this ideology of, you know, the pursuit of happiness and, and this individuality and this nationalistic mindset goes contrary to the word of God. And that doesn't mean I don't love my country and I don't love where I grew up. And I'm biggest fan of Chicago you ever meet in your life. But I am part of the kingdom of God, not the United States alone. I'm just passing through here. This is just, I'm an alien on my way to my final destination. This is my layover, guys. It might be a long, I hope it's a long one, but it's just a layover. But listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse three through four. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Listen, there's a lot of people preaching a lot of gospels that aren't the true gospel. There's a lot of people that are saying a lot of things and people are drawn to it. Why? Because that appeases me. I, you know, I like that better. No, I prefer a vengeful God. I like the way, yeah, let's do that. I like that idea. Or, you know, I prefer a God that accepts whoever I want to be and whatever I want to do. And so if I go to a church that starts going against what I want to do or my lifestyle or my ideology, then that's not the church for me. Buddy, there is no church for you because that is not the church of Christ. 
The church of Christ is adherent to the word of God. And if the church is not adherent to the word of God, then I would submit it is no church at all. We have to be careful in understanding that there is no gospel, there is no uh, spirit that is different than the one true God and the one true gospel. Jesus Christ died and rose again so that you and I would have eternal life with him. There is no other way, right? What does he say? I am the only way. There, there is no sidestep, there is no back door, there is no maybe if I, if I just live a really good and, and righteous life. The Bible even tells you no one's righteous. Not even one. None of you comes close, beginning with present company. My wife will tell you, I am not righteous. But I live for a God who is. Now here's the, the difficulty when it comes to lies and deceptions. Is that the enemy sets it up with doubt, right? He just, he plants a seed just small enough that you may not even notice it. And then as that seed begins to grow, it forms into this well-crafted lie. And here's the thing uh, about lies. Um, it doesn't take much especially if it's something that you already want to hear, if it's something that you already want to believe, it's very easy to fall into it. And once it goes into this lie, now suddenly you've replaced God's truth with, with what you want to believe and what you want to hear. And then step four is probably the most brilliant aspect of the devil's tactic is he then just sits back and watches it spread on its own. Lies spread so easily Unfortunately, easier than truth does sometimes. The scary thing is that many of Satan's lies tend to perpetuate themselves. It happened with Eve, right? Eve has this conversation with the serpent, and then what does she do? Then she goes to Adam, and she convinces Adam to eat of the fruit. The lie spread unprovoked. She received it, and then she gave it. It happens to this day. And often, the enemy uses charismatic but foolish people to further his falsehoods. Just because you say it loud enough doesn't mean it's true. Just because you believe it doesn't mean it's true. Just because other people believe it doesn't make it true. And there are a lot of really clever people with really clever speech who can easily manipulate others. That's, that's how cults are formed. Cults are just incredibly charismatic leaders who, who manipulate often weaker-minded people with lies and deceptions that align with what they want to hear, and they get them to do things that were just unimaginable. I was watching a whole series on cults because I find it fascinating, in part because I think to myself, wow, it would be very easy for me as a preacher to be a cult leader. It's very easy to manipulate people with clever speech and rhyming words and you know, illustrations that can easily turn. If, if I don't stick to God's word, it would be very easy for me to get a whole crowd of people to do what I want to do. And you look at something like, how many of you old enough to remember Jonestown? Anybody here remember Jonestown? Man, a lot of young people in the house. I'm glad you don't know that. Because this is, this is a man who claimed to be a preacher of God's word. And, and he had this giant church in California. Listen, you're going to have a big church full of lies, okay? Just because the church is big doesn't mean it's good. Just because the church is small doesn't mean it's bad. But here he had this massive church. And in part, how he grew it is he would lie and manipulate. He would do healings. And I believe in healing. I've seen, we've seen in the last few weeks God heal. But he would have people staging healings, wearing fake casts that he would break off. And then they'd run up and down the aisle. And, and he just kept doing a whole bunch of horrible embezzling and lying. And eventually the heat was coming and people were starting to notice. So what does he do? He takes his entire community and he moves them to a different country buys a big plot of land, and he promises them Eden, essentially. 
you're going to have this and you're going to have that. And they didn't have any of that. They became essentially slaves on that property. They were kidnapped from their families. And so their families started to make calls to the government saying, listen, uh, he's cut off my brother, my sister, my, my daughter. Like, we can't get a hold of them. And eventually the governor of California goes down to this area and he starts trying to investigate. And again, lies and deception are, are trying to throw him off. But, but they get a message to him and he finds out what's really happening. And Jim Jones and his fear and his manipulation, and here's the truth, people like that at the core of everything are, are cowards. They decide to go and actually kill the governor. They shoot at him right before he gets on his plane, and now Jim Jones knows, okay, they're going to come after me. So what does he do? He orchestrates the largest mass suicide today. And he gets them all to drink the Kool-Aid. So if you ever heard the term, oh, you're just drinking the Kool-Aid, it was a poison drink that he made everybody take. Oh, everybody except for him. He had himself shot because, again, he's a coward. But you think to yourself, well, how would anybody follow a lunatic like that? It's easier than you think. Look at how easily people follow politicians. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. How easily they drink all of it up. Why? Because they've bought the whole thing, and once you buy it, then you spread it. And so we get people like, well, you know, I saw this on social media. I go, you believe every? They used to say, don't believe everything you read. I'm telling you, don't believe everything you watch. Because we watch it like, well, it sounds good. Yeah, listen, I convinced a girl one time there was fish in the sky. It was just easy to do. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, you know, there's these microscopic fish, and, and when, when water evaporates, they get caught up in the evaporation. And, and she was like, wow. I'm like, yeah, right? So good. So interesting. It's not hard. So we have to be careful. That's how you get cults. That's how you get false religions. That's how you get ideologies that are contrary to the word of God. That's how you get false gospels. Listen, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Here's the crazy part about this stage of the lie. Now it's you who's searching for more of them. Because now you want to reinforce the lie. So how do I reinforce the lie? You know, it's so true. You can go online and you can easily find somebody who agrees with you. No matter how far out your idea is, there's some other dummy on the planet that's like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and will agree with you. And so it's not hard for the enemy to manipulate the situation and cause other people to reinforce your ideas. And so again, using social media is probably the quickest avenue because it's the quickest way to cause information. But the algorithm, oh man, the algorithm starts picking up on what you're looking for. And what do they do? They feed you more of it. And they keep feeding you more of it. And you're just like, no, but it's all over the internet. No, it's not, it's all over your algorithm. Because there's a person who thinks the opposite of you that's getting fed the opposite information. And so this is so critical that we open God's book more than Facebook and that we spend more time in his word than on Twitter or Instagram or whatever other social media you want to use. It is so critical that God's truth outweighs the lies of the enemy. Worship team, if you can give me a hand. See, the problem has become more than ever that we live in a day and age where relative truth is more and more popular. Relative truth sounds very idealistic. Sounds almost like utopia type thinking. Hey, listen, 
you believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe, and we all just agree to disagree on stuff. And listen, when it comes to opinions, that's okay. If you want to believe the lie that LeBum is the GOAT, that's between you and basketball. No problem if you think LeBron's the best. I know the truth. I live in the truth. I was here in the 90s. Of course I get it. Okay? That's a whole different thing. Matter of fact, I put Kobe above LeBron. That's controversial, but I'll let you do what you want to do with that. So I'm not talking about opinions. That's different. Opinions are obviously going to differ. But if you and I start getting into arguments and you're like, hey, listen, the sky is neon green. Like, what are you talking about? Bro, that's not blue. Your eye interprets it in such a way that when it goes to your brain, you think it's blue, but really it's neon green. Why are we even having this conversation? Like, I don't care. But, but this is the problem now, is that everyone is starting to make truth relative. And everyone has started to, to make it their own way. And so right now, if, if truth is relative, then you have no truth. So you, now we don't even know what's a male and what's a female. Because it's all, it's all relative. It's all it's whatever you feel at that day and however you think. We've lost our moral standards because, hey, this is maybe moral for you, but this is not moral for me. And you might be okay with this, but culturally I can do that. And, and so we start going all across this and saying, well, what's right and what's not? Well, we don't know anymore. Listen, here's the problem with relative truth. If it's true, then it collapses on itself. The assertion is that if relative truth is true, then maybe that's only true for you. That's what relative truth means. That it might be true for me and it might be true for you. So to you, relative truth is true, and to me, it's not. That's the problem with even this whole ideology. In other words, if truth is relative, then I choose to believe that's only true for you. And the problem is, we've replaced what is true, and only God gets to dictate that, we replaced what is truth with opinions. Well, you might read the Bible that way, but I read it this way. There's only one way to interpret the Bible. It's how God said it. We don't get to have 16 different viewpoints on it. You can agree to disagree on certain things, but we can't decide what, what part of the Bible is true and what part of it's not true. This is where, we, where we've landed. And this is why so many of us have a hard time reading the Bible. Because when you read it and it begins to expose the truth, you're salty about it. You feel uncomfortable with it. You're insecure about it. Because if God is true, and you start reading that truth, and it starts to expose some maybe behaviors that you have, some lifestyle choices you've made, some decisions you got, and now, okay, well, this is God's truth, and this is what I've been doing, so either I keep living the lie, or I accept the truth. And for many of us, accepting the truth is too hard. So we'd rather live in ignorance, or ignorance no more once you have the truth. To be better said, we'd rather live the lie. Listen, John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, the world loves this passage of scripture, but only part of it. Because all over the world, in locker rooms, in classrooms, and businesses, up on the wall for motivation, this passage is quoted just a part of it. What part? The truth will set you free. 
Sounds poetic, doesn't it? Hey, don't worry. The truth will set you free. You know, often half-truths make the best lies. If you sprinkle enough truth in this, I'll believe it. It's like the fish in the sky thing, right? It sounded plausible. Sprinkle just enough truth in it, and people will take it. But here's the thing. Before the truth can set you free, you have to know the truth. You have to know the truth. And here's the absolute truth. John 14, 6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Well, wait, what, 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 if, I've, what if I've lived my life morally good? No one can come to the Father except through me. Well, what, what if my, my father was a pastor? What does that mean to you? No one can come to the Father except through me. Well, what if I, I grew up at Belmont Assembly? doesn't really mean anything. Because if you don't know the truth, then you can't be set free. If you don't know the truth, you are still in bondage to whatever you are in bondage of. If you don't know the truth, not a truth, not your truth, the truth, if you don't know Jesus, you'll forever be in bondage. But if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Set me free from what? From a life without Jesus. From the sin that you have so easily been entangled in. From the lies that you believed. And listen, I get it. Some of you are in this room, you're going, listen, I'm not a, a drug addict. I'm not a prostitute. I'm not out here, you know, doing this and doing, I'm a good person. I live a good life. You know, I take care of my folks. I pay my taxes. I don't do anything bad. Why, why, why are you pushing this truth on me? Like, I, isn't this enough? No. I'm sorry. Listen, there's only one key that unlocks my door. And just because you have keys doesn't mean you can unlock my door. And you may not like that truth, but that is the truth. And there's only one way into a relationship with God. And that's a relationship with Jesus. There's only one way to heaven. And that's a relationship with Jesus. And so I'm saying this not out of hurt or anger or just because I want to make you feel. I'm saying this because if the truth sets you free, then I have an obligation to speak it. You do what you want with it once you know. But here's what I need everyone in this room to know. From now, I'm sorry I did this, but I have ruined your ignorant excuse. You can't stand before God one day and go, but I didn't know. Because this is the day you found out. This is the day you were given the truth. And listen, if I'm driving down the road and, and, and I, I speed past the speeding limit and the cop pulls me over, he said, like, hey, you were going 45 and a 30. I can't look at him and go, I don't know this is a 30. Well, now you know, sir. Here's your ticket. Ignorance is not an excuse anymore for any of you in this room because I have spoken the truth. And now you get to decide to believe it or not. Why don't you stand with me, church, as we pray and close out this portion. If you're getting ready to get baptized, I, I want to go ahead and dismiss you. Go get ready, and we'll prepare for you in just a moment. But for everyone else in this place, would you just bow your head for a moment and close your eyes? just want to talk to your heart. I just want you to, to hear me out. I'm not talking about joining a religion. I'm not talking about coming to this church every week. 
I'm talking about a relationship with the living God. I'm talking about having a one-on-one intimate relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so if you're here in this place and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you did some time ago, but you've, you've obviously wandered away from the truth. And today the Lord wants to reconcile you with him again. This whole message was for you, sir. Was for you, ma'am. To give you an opportunity to say yes to the one who already said yes to you. So with every head bow, every eye closed, sir, ma'am, if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus or you realize, hey, I've drifted away from God's truth and I need to rededicate my life. I'm not gonna have you come out of your seat just right where you're at. Would you lift up your hand so that I could pray with you that God would do that in your life? If there's anyone here who says, Pastor, that's me. I wanna give my life to Jesus. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else says, that's me, Pastor. I'm just gonna give you one more moment. I can get one of my prayer workers to come over here and minister to this young lady. Anyone else said, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to walk out of here the same way I walked in. I did my job now. It's up to you. Awesome. Awesome. Church, let me talk to you now. I want to pray in just a moment as our prayer team ministers to that young lady. I want to pray for you. Just because you know the truth doesn't mean you won't fall for a lie if you're not careful. We have to stay in the truth. And church, we can't afford to be manipulated by the enemy. The price is too high right now. So I want to pray that God would root us in his word, that God would seal us with his truth, that we wouldn't be holding on to religion or to ideologies, but we would hold on to Jesus Christ himself, the author and the perfecter of our faith, to help us not just believe the truth, but then live in that truth. So let me pray for you, church. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for every believer in this room right now. Lord, I pray that they would be hungry for your word, God. That they would not fall for the lies and the schemes of the enemy because they understand fully your truth. The same way Jesus in the desert didn't fall for the lies of the enemy because he knew the truth. The same way that many of the disciples were not drawn away because they were steadfast to your truth. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be like the ones who fell for it, like Eve and Judas and all these tragic characters that we see in scripture whose main issue was they believed the lie and they rejected your truth. And so God, I pray, help us to be steadfast in your word. Help us to be rooted in truth. Help us to wear the armor of God. Which one of them is truth? And Lord, I pray that as we live in that truth, that rather than spreading lies, we would spread truth. That we would be ambassadors of your word. That we would be communicators of your truth. Unashamed and unembarrassed. To be vocal and transparent in love with the word of truth. Because it has the power to set free anyone who chooses to believe it. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone here said, amen. amen. Come on, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Now I'm going to ask you to take a seat, church. This morning, we have a number of people who have accepted the truth, just like 
we talked about this morning. And now we're going to have a public declaration of that truth. Here's the thing about truth. We can't be secret about it. And so part of what I love baptism is not only was it a commandment from God, not a suggestion, but it's also a wonderful opportunity for us as believers to publicly declare this powerful love that we've inwardly accepted.